Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Monday, June 10th, 2019. Broadcasting from the Beantown USA studio. Beantown USA is Boston's home for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownusa.com. On today's show, we got a Game 7. The Bruins won Game 6 last night on Sunday night in St. Louis to force a Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final, which will be at the TD Garden this Wednesday night. I'll break it all down. I'll react to Game 6, and I'll look ahead to Game 7. The Cup will be in the building, this time for all the right reasons for the Bruins. It was in the building last night in St. Louis, uh, but for all the wrong reasons for the Bruins. It was in the building last night for St. Louis to win, and as you know, they did not because we will have a game seven. Also, the NBA Finals continues with the Raptors up 3-1 on Golden State, and Toronto has a chance to win the NBA championship tonight in Toronto. The question everybody is asking, though, will Kevin Durant return for this game five in Toronto tonight? Uh, There is some news on the Kevin Durant front. I will tell you what that is, and I'll react to it. There's also some other NBA news that's worth mentioning, which includes the Celtics offseason. As you know, they have some moves to make, and they're kind of playing a waiting game to see what Kyrie Irving's going to do. There's some Kyrie Irving news as well, but uh, the Celtics in some rumors with some trades. So uh, I will get to that. I'll tell you who those names are also. In the boxing world, we did not see an upset for the second straight weekend. Two weeks ago, we saw, uh, whatever, a week ago, a little over a week ago, we saw a huge upset in the heavyweight division with Andy Ruiz Jr. He beat Anthony Joshua, and nobody saw that coming. That was not supposed to happen. But Andy Ruiz Jr. won the heavyweight championships, took him from Anthony Joshua. That was an upset. And... uh, We did not see that type of upset for the second straight weekend because Gennady Golovkin did what he was supposed to do. Triple G knocked out Steve Rolls. But the question now in the boxing world is what's next for Triple G? I'll react to that. And I'll tell you what Triple G and Canelo Alvarez are saying about a potential trilogy. And we had a scare last night. The news broke. David Ortiz was shot in the Dominican. It's broke at the end of the Bruins game. And uh, some scary stuff last night. So we all got to scare with this. I will share the latest news on David Ortiz's health. But it is looking like he's going to be okay. It's still something to keep an eye out for. Keep an eye out on. Because, um, you know, this could change. I don't, you know, this is a serious situation. David Ortiz was shot in the Dominican. And even though we're all saying right now that that he's going to be okay, I still think that... Uh, we should all say a prayer that Big Poppy will end up being okay. Um, I'm no doctor, but, you know, I, that's a serious situation and things can obviously change. But everybody, not just here in Boston, not just in in the baseball world, uh, but all over the world, I think praying for Big Poppy David Ortiz that he gets through this. But there is some news on his health, so I will give that to you. All of it today presented by DraftKings. Play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using promo code PICK, P-I-C. That's promo code PICK, P 
F-I-C. And this is the time of year you should be playing daily fantasy baseball. Put together a different team and a different lineup every single day for a chance to win cash prizes every single night. It's so much better than your standard fantasy baseball league where you have the same team every day. It's boring. Nobody wants to make a trade with you. And if you do have a chance to win your cash prize in that league, you're not going to see it until the end of September or early October at the earliest. And depending on what type of league you're in and who's running it, you know, the person who collects that money, they might have spent it on something and maybe you won't see it until November. Right? By the time you get your, it's time to collect your winnings, they're like, oh, yeah, I had the money in my checking account. I collected that fantasy baseball money uh, at the end of March, and I, you know, I used it on on a vacation. So I gotta give me give me a month. I'll get you that money in November. You don't have to deal with that at DraftKings. A different team, a new lineup every single day, with a chance to win cash prizes every single night, and you can play for free by signing up. Using my promo code PIC, P-I-C. That's promo code PIC, P-I-C, at DraftKings.com. Welcome to the show on this Monday, June 10th. And I mentioned the Big Poppy stuff. Reportedly, he is out of surgery. And according to his family, he's doing fine. Quote-unquote fine. That's according to his family. So that's great news. He is stable, according to his family. But he is still in intensive care for at least the next 24 hours. Now, I'm recording this on Monday morning. So, uh, again, this is a situation I'm sure can change. I I don't want to say there's conflicting reports, but you hear the family say he's doing fine. And then I just read a report on Twitter that says when David Ortiz was shot, the bullet went through his liver and he had to have his gallbladder and part of his intestines removed. He was shot in the back. Initial reports said he got shot in the leg. But there was somebody else that was with him that got shot. I guess that person got shot in the leg with the same bullet. Went through Ortiz and then hit someone else. Um, So the story is that Ortiz was ambushed and shot in the lower back. The bullet went through his body. Again, this happened. We found out about this right in the third period of the Bruins-Blues game last night. And reports were coming out on Twitter. And uh, there's a video of this, which... I can't really, I've watched it a, a ton of times. I, I, I can't really tell where David Ortiz is in this video. It's tough to, it's tough to see. Um, the picture's not clear, at least in my eyes as I'm watching it. But I guess a guy, wh- what was the story? Jumped off a motorcycle and then ambushed and shot Ortiz. But Ortiz was sitting in this nightclub or this bar, whatever it was, in the Dominican. So he gets shot and... Um, you know, everyone's saying their prayers. They're saying he is fine, like I told you. But when you hear things like the bullet went through him, through his liver, had to have his gallbladder, part of his intestines removed. Uh, you know, he right now they're saying he's heavily sedated and he'll still be in intensive care for the next 24 hours. I mean, you hope that everybody's telling us the truth when, when they say he will be fine and that he is stable right now. But um, we'll keep an eye on it. But scary stuff, man. You got to be some type of asshole to shoot Big Poppy David Ortiz. And this, uh, reportedly, it's a 25-year-old kid who did it. He was captured and he was beaten by a crowd of people who were at the bar. And then he got arrested. They took him to the hospital because he was so banged up and beat up. And then they, then they put him and threw him in prison. 
Um, there's actually a video, and I, there was so many videos I was watching last night. Like, I don't even know what was real and what wasn't, but there was this kid just sitting in, like, this alleyway in the Dominican, and people were just kicking him in the head and beating him up. And uh, they were careful, though. They, they were, It was like they were careful not to kill him. They wanted to give him a beating without killing him. And they wanted the cops to come and then arrest him. Uh, but, you know, they caught this kid. And uh, just a, such a wacky situation. But he is taken under custody, so he's arrested. And I guess we now just have to... I mean, what's the story here? Is, was this random? I, I, I don't... Was, was David Ortiz the target? Or was... Because initial reports said there was a potential robbery... I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that we'll ever get the real story as to what happened. I think all we can really hope to get is get the word that David Ortiz is out of intensive care and is completely fine and will have a full recovery. But some scary news last night. Not something you want to, you know, you log on to Twitter to, I log on to, these days I'm just logging on to Twitter to, to tweet at the Stanley Cup. At Stanley Cup, that's their, uh, that's their name on Twitter. That's the Stanley Cup's name. I just tweeted the Stanley Cup, and I tweet hashtag Gloria, because that's the St. Louis Blues goal song for people that don't know. And the song is, you know, it's annoying. It's an annoying song, but whenever the Blues lose, it gets it's, it. That song sounds a little bit better. So that's really all I tweet about. I tweet hashtag Gloria, and I tweet at the Stanley Cup, and I promote my show, obviously. But um, yeah, I go on Twitter to do my standard you know, knocking the blues and tweeting out Gloria. And I see that David Ortiz was shot. Not something you want to see. So we all hope Big Poppy is going to have a full recovery from this. And anything that comes out in the next couple of days, I'll react to it on Thursday. Hopefully on Thursday, I am reacting to a Stanley Cup championship that the Bruins will win at home on Wednesday night because there will be a Game 7 the Bruins win game six last night by a score of five to one. They go into St. Louis. Um, Patrice Bergeron, according to teammates, had a pregame speech for the ages before this one. That got the boys going. And the Bruins opened the game up with a Brad Marchand one-timer goal on the power play in the first period. So they took the one-nothing lead in the first. It was a scoreless second period. And then in the third period, the Bruins scored four goals, which included an empty netter at the end to seal the deal on the 5-1 win. You talk about the story of the game. Obviously, it's great to see Brad Marchand do something because we were crushing him after game five. Him and Bergeron, I was wondering, you know, how just how banged up are these guys? Just how, because they, they got to be injured, right? That's the only explanation for the way that they've played. But it's so it's good to see Marchand get that goal in the first period, to go up one nothing, right? That was easy to say. The first goal is the biggest one. Well, when you're on the road and the Cup's in the building for the other team to win and the other team already has the Stanley Cup celebration planned, and that was a story going into this game too, right? And going into this game as well, that was a story. One of the St. Louis newspapers, something got leaked that had all the advertisements from, like, companies congratulating the St. Louis Blues on their Stanley Cup championship, uh, you know, all this stuff that they had ready to roll out got leaked. And even the report that they had rented out the top floor of, what was it, a hotel 
or a club at the top floor of a hotel that was a bar or something in St. Louis. They had rented it out. The party was ready to go. Now, I, I, don't, I actually don't know what the standard move is for a team that has a chance to win the cup. I don't know what the standard move is. Like, in 2013, when the cup was in the building, when the Blackhawks won it in game six at the Garden, going into that game, the morning of, or the day before, did the Blackhawks, did they have some, did they have a place in Boston that they rented out? I don't even know what they did. They, they must, did they go home that night? They must have just went home after celebrating with the cup in the garden. I don't think they, they had a hotel bar that, that they stayed at. I think they just went home, right? But a team that wins it in their own city, is that, is it standard to already have the place locked up? You know, on one hand, I'm like, I understand, yeah, I can understand it. Like, you know, you don't want to have nowhere to go. But at the same time, doesn't that just feel like a jinx? Like, I feel like if I was a player, or even anyone in the organization, because you obviously have somebody that would have to make the calls and plan this stuff. But what I would do is, I'd say, don't jinx it like that. Don't make a call. Don't rent anywhere else. You know, don't don't rent out the top floor of a hotel bar. Don't don't set the potty yet, because we haven't won anything yet. And and the normal reaction to some people might be like, well, we have to have something ready to go. And I would respond to that by saying, what, you think if we win the Stanley Cup, we won't be able to get into it? We won't be able to have a place kick everybody out of their club so we can come in and take over a section or a whole floor? Come on. Like, I, I, like I'm pretty sure they'll be able to do that for us. So, did St. Louis jinx themselves? Well, it, the word got out that they had rented out the top floor of this place. They had the party ready to go. And I'm sure the Bruins at one point used that. As, I'm sure they saw that. I'm sure they used that as some type of motivation. But that was one of the stories going into this game. That St. Louis was kind of already celebrating a championship. It, it kind of had that feel to it, didn't it? And the Bruins needed that first goal with all that being on the road. They needed it, and even better, they got it from somebody like Brad Marchand, who has been kind of a no-show, right? Kind of a no-show. So Marchand gets the goal, one at the Bruins. The real real story here, I mean, look, if the Bruins win the Cup, and even if the Bruins lose in Game 7, which I don't even want to think about, like that, that, I don't even want to think about that, okay? We already saw Chicago hoist the Cup at the Garden. You know, the Bruins didn't have a chance to win it that night. Only Chicago did. It was game six. But, like, now you have a chance to win it at home. Imagine seeing the other team win it. No, I don't even want to think about that. But even if the other team does win it, I think you're giving the con Smythe to Tuka Rask either way. Like, has he sealed the deal? Has he locked it up? He's locked it up, right? And we've seen the, the opposing team win. Who Who's the last opposing player to win it? Was it... Was it the Ducks goalie? The Ducks lost the the Ducks lost the cup, right? The Anaheim Ducks, they went to the finals, they lost. Was it What is that what it was? I I didn't even look it up. Was it John Sebastian Jaguer? Is that what the last guy who did it? I maybe. I could I could have that wrong. I've seen it before though, and I pretty sure it was a goalie. Pretty sure it was a goalie. For for the losing team winning the Consmite. Uh Either way, let's say I'm wrong. I think I'm right when I say Tuka Rask has kind of locked up the Conn Smythe. Has he not? Has he not? I mean, if St. Louis wins Game 7, even if Bennington throws a shutout, you giving it to Bennington? 
I, I mean, maybe if Ryan O'Reilly scores a hat trick and they win 3-2 in Game 7, he's getting the con Smythe. Again, things I don't even really want to be thinking about. Let's put it this way. Tuka Rask continues to silence the critics. He looks so locked in right now. He had 28 saves in Game 6. And, I mean, if you're a Tuka Rask critic, a Tuka Rask hater, somebody who has said, oh, Tuka Rask can't get you, you know, he can't take the team on his back, and, and win and help you win a championship. And I know they haven't won the championship yet. They haven't won the Stanley Cup yet. But I mean, for crying out loud, even if the Bruins lose Game 7, you know, if the Bruins lose Game 7, right, well, they win or lose, regardless of what happens, if there is a radio host or TV personality in this town in Boston the next day, next Thursday, that's going to jump on the airwaves and try to tell you that we should be sitting here criticizing Tuka Rask, then here's what you need to do to that person. You need to shut, you need to change the channel, and you need to never put them on again. That's what you need to do, because if you keep them on, basically what you're doing is you're paying their bills for them, and you're paying their bills for their fucking stupidity, and not just stupidity, but... Maybe they're not stupid. Maybe they're doing it on purpose because they know it's going to get you fired up and you're going to call into their show. Change the channel. Why would you do that to yourself? Change the channel. Jump on an iPhone or a whatever device you're using to make phone calls and text messages and download this podcast. Okay? The Tuka Rask critics have been silenced. It's over. Give it up. Throw in the towel. Okay? You lost the, you lost the fight. You're done. I know there's one game left to be played, and you know the people, there's probably like two, three people, and you know who they are, that if the Bruins lose the cup and Tuca lets up a couple goals, they will be on Tuca on Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon, Thursday night. They'll be on them. Here's what you need to do. Change the channel. Don't listen to them. Don't pay their bills. Fuck them. Don't do it. Don't even give them the time of day. All right? Be done with them. They're not really from here. They don't really want this team to win. They don't really care. All they care about is... You paying their bills for them. That's that's all they care about. So don't just change the channel. All right? They want to be an asshole? You don't be an asshole with them. Change the channel. That's all. But the Tukarask haters have been silenced, in my opinion. And I don't even think that's an opinion. I think that should be a fact. But Tukarask continues to silence the critics, continues to be the story. He had an awesome game in Game 6. And uh, even the goal that he let up, I mean, for crying out loud, I know it went over the line, but they had to review it. It did go over the line. That was a goal. But, I mean, you know what? He's st- I, I, Technically, he made the save, right? He gets that leg over. It was a tremendous save. It just, ah. His pad was just over the line. I mean, nothing, there's, there's nothing you can do about that if you took it. He played great. 28 saves. Uh, so, that really is the story. The, the other part of it, you know, I mentioned Marshan, And then Pasternak gets the goal, which was the fourth goal that, was such a great play. Corrali behind the net, on the forecheck, just bit somebody out, took the puck, threw it to Marshan. Marshan knew where Pasternak was. Uh, y- you know, just the, the the presence of mind to know that he was going to be in that spot. Pasternak then with the patience, with the fake shot, kept it, held it, held it, waits till Bennington goes down, puts it upstairs. It did kind of graze off Bennington's pad. But it goes in. You go up 4-1. So Marshan, Pasternak, two guys that we needed and you wanted to step up. And I know Bergeron doesn't necessarily show up on the score sheet. But guess what? You talk about the pregame speech that he had. And uh, I think he's bang. I think Bergeron, we're going to find out he's dealing with something real serious. I I, I think after this. But uh, 
you know, the things that you needed to go your way, you had them go your way, and then there was some questions as to whether or not Bruce Cassidy was making the right decision by sitting David Backus upstairs again. David Backus, once again, a healthy scratch. And, man, I... I did. I, my heart would have literally. I know I say this all the time, but my heart would have literally broken for David Backus if he had to sit up top and watch the St. Louis Blues in that building hoist the Stanley Cup. My heart would have broke for him. I, 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 I mean, I couldn't. I wouldn't even be able to imagine what what that'd be like. But he was upstairs. Bruce Cassidy looks good because Carson Coleman took a shot that for the third Bruins goal. Little wrist shot, snapshot, whatever you want to call it. Upstairs, top left. Uh, an absolute snipe. But I think what was the most impressive part of this shot from, from the high slot was the speed. Like, it looked like when you put shot power all the way up in NHL 19, the video game. Like, that's what that shot looked like. And I'm, I'm sitting there going... That's what this kid can do? Why were we even debating? Why was it even a question as the David Back as being upstairs and Kuhlman down on the ice? Kuhlman had energy. You know, we you know, if you watch him, he's good on the forecheck. You know, he's buzzing around. But uh that shot to give the Bruins a three-nothing lead. What a shot. And really was was probably the biggest goal of the game, because right afterwards, you get the O'Reilly goal, you know, the puck goes over the line, they review it, it's a St. Louis goal, just a couple minutes later, and it was 3-1 at that point. I mean, there's a huge difference between that game in St. Louis at that point in the third period, a huge difference from being up 3-1 after the O'Reilly goal and 2-1, right? And so that third goal, the Coleman goal, just so impressive, the shot, not just the accuracy, but the... Like, the speed of the shot. I honestly watched that like 10 times. I'm going, is this, it looks like a video game shot. That's what it, that's what it looked like. So, uh, Bruins go up 3-1. Then, of course, they get that pasta not goal. 4-1, they get the empty net, empty net of 5-1. And the Bruins force a game 7. And, uh, I mean, you're sticking with Coleman, right? That's what you're doing? That, that, that's what you, you're sticking with Coleman. And from a defensive Perspective, you got to tip your cap to Moore. I think Moore's been playing great. Grizzlick's still out, still not cleared, still in concussion protocol. Chara's been playing. Um, and, uh, you know, the Bruins right now at home in prime position to win the Stanley Cup in their own building. And I think they're going to get it done. I think they're going to do it. I think it. this is Bergeron, Marchand going to step up again. And Tuka Rask, I mean, at this point, if if people are still, again, if people are still doubting Tuka, if he can get it done, then I don't know what you've been watching. I don't know how you can't feel confident in Tuka Rask on Wednesday night, right? I mean, what goalie, this could come down to just what goalie do you want to pick? You know, the first two goals that Bennington let up, I mean, you had the the little, the, the trickler there, the one that bounced, was it Kahlo? It's just a shot that, was like a knuckle puck that bounced off the ice that went underneath the right arm of Bennington. It was the Bruins' second goal last night. Could you imagine what people would be saying about Tuca if Tuca let up that type of goal? And I know it's a difficult bounce, but you know what? He's got Bennington's got to save that. And even kind of, you know, the first one that Marshan scores in the power play. Yeah, it's tough for Bennington going right to left with that type of one timer. 
But the initial shot, I really thought that Marchand's one-timer was upstairs and well out of the reach of Bennington's glove. And when you watch that replay, it's like, eh, it actually wasn't out of the reach. Like, you could make the case that Bennington maybe should have stopped that Marchand shot. So, uh, Bennington, to me, is nowhere close to Tukarask. And if I'm a Blues fan, I do not feel confident in Bennington. I don't. I just don't. And so the Bruins, I think, have the advantage, not just being at home, but they have the advantage with the goaltender. And even though Marchand and Pasternak scored, doesn't it still feel like that line still has unfinished business in these playoffs? It just feels like that. Like it, maybe it just maybe it feels like Bergeron has some unfinished, some type of unfinished business. Like I'm still waiting for him to have you know, the the type of bergeron Mashan game that we know and love. And and that could happen in Game 7, and I will put my money on it. And the Bruins, they win that cup. That place is going to be nuts. I don't know how the building's going to react. Are people going to hop, hop the glass, jump on the ice? <laughs> that doesn't really happen anymore in 2019. But, uh, you know, you get that cup in the building. In 2011, after they won it, the following season, the first home game when they raised the banner, they did bring the cup out and they did skate around with the cup. So we can't say we haven't seen them skate around with the Stanley Cup at the Garden. We did. It just that's a different type of celebration. You know, you had a whole summer to sit on it. Uh, you know, it, it's like that's the type of well, let's kiss the cup goodbye celebration. No, you want to kiss the cup hello celebration in your own building. And they could get that Wednesday night. But whatever happens, I will be back on Thursday. As much as I may or may not celebrate on Wednesday night, I'll be back in here. Hopefully with a voice. You know, I, I think there could be a lot of singing, Gloria, at the top of our lungs. But let's not let's not go all St. Louis Blues and, and jump ahead on the celebration plans before you actually win it. Will the Bruins have this celebration plan? Again, if I'm the Bruins... I have to think to myself, we can really get in anywhere we want. Let's not plan it. Let's not plan it. Let's not plan it. Let's win it first. I would stress that. Even if I was a player, I'd talk to whoever. I'd, I'd, I'd pull over Matt Shimura. I'd say, and it's the, the Bruins spokesman. I'd say, Matt, you, you do not plan anything for us. I don't want to hear. I do not want to read a story on Twitter after my pregame nap that says, you know, we have um, a certain bar or restaurant rented out. I, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear it because we don't. I, so don't do it. Let's win it first and then you do it. You know, uh, we trust you. You'll give us a nice little spot to go to, but don't do it until we win it. Okay. Keep the, put the phone away until we win. All right. That's the way I would handle it from the Bruins. I don't know if they're going to handle it that way, but that's the way I would 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 want them to handle it. But uh, let's see. So, Game 7, Stanley Cup. Woo! We got a couple days to think about it. It's going to be a couple long days. I will say yesterday on Sunday, you had the 8 o'clock puck drop, or I guess 8.25 puck drop. You know, they tell you 8 o'clock. They don't drop the fucking thing till 8.30. That's That was a long day yesterday. A long day with nothing to do and, and just... Uh, wow, is it 8 o'clock yet? One of those days. So um, this week is going to probably be a long week because 
we're going to be sitting around waiting for Wednesday night. And the nerves, the nerves are going to get to us all. That's for sure. So, uh, whatever happens, I'll react to it on Thursday. And yep, I will be here on Thursday. I will. Even if I'm, even if I'm sick as a dog, I'll be, <laughs> I'll be here on Thursday. And then, of course, we got the NBA Finals. Game five is tonight. There could be an NBA championship given out tonight. When's the last time the NBA championship was given out before the cup? Have we seen that? Usually it's like the NBA championship's not given out till like a week or two after the Stanley Cup, right? Isn't that usually how it goes? At least a week. NBA championship's usually given out a week after the cup. Well, you could see the NBA championship given out before the cup. Because Toronto, because that Larry O'Brien trophy will be in the building in Toronto tonight. The Raptors up 3-1 over Golden State. And Warriors in trouble. They are in trouble. Toronto is a one-and-a-half point favorite. As I'm recording this, Toronto's a one-and-a-half point favorite at home in Game 5 with a chance to win it all. Will that change if we get different news on Durant? Well, the news on Durant today as of this morning, on this Monday morning, is that Kevin Durant is questionable for Game 5. He might just be a game-time decision. They might hold that close to the vest until they're out there for the for the national anthem, right? As, as long as they have to wait. And, uh, you know, I mean, he, he practiced. He returned, Durant returned to practice. I don't know what's going on with Durant. You know, I kind of assumed that we weren't going to see him. You know, after he doesn't play in game three, he doesn't play in game four. I'm thinking to myself, this is serious. More serious than they're letting it on to be. And I think internally, maybe he's just out for the rest of the series. And, and they don't have any hope. But then he returns to practice and it's like, it sounds like there might be a little hope that he could play. I don't know. I guess I'm like, well... Were you not? Were you not ready? We really? You couldn't play game four. You couldn't play game four. I don't. Know. We'll we'll see what he looks like when he's out there. I mean, maybe he plays and only gets ten minutes, and maybe it is bad, and he's battling through. Um, I don't know how that's going to go down, but I will say this: Toronto looks good. Kawhi Leonard seems to be at times a man amongst boys. I just, I have, you know, I'm a big Steph Curry fan. And I'm just thinking, with or without Durant, Steph Curry does not go down without a fight. I think Golden State rattles off a couple wins here. I do. Golden State's now playing. They're an underdog. You got NBA analysts saying they're done, saying they need Durant. Steph Curry's probably sitting there going, yeah, we've done 3-1 before. We've been down 3-1 before. Yeah, you know what? I've won an NBA championship without Durant before. Yeah, you know what? We're in Toronto. I get it. It's going to be loud. Yeah. Hey, we're an underdog? Wow. When's the last time we were the underdog? When's the last time everybody thought we wouldn't win a championship? Well, guess what? It's a little extra motivation for a team that really, what's the motivation? I mean, everybody's been, you know, talking up the Warriors to be a dynasty and one of the greatest teams of all time, most dominant teams. And it's like, now they get something to rally against, rally around. And, 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 you know, all the, the, I guess you call them haters now saying Toronto's going to win it. I think Golden State's going to rattle off a couple wins. 
I think they win game five. I think they come back home. I think they win game six. Toronto could win game seven. If Toronto's going to win, I think they could. it could be in Toronto in game seven. I don't think this is ending tonight. If I'm wrong, whatever happens, I'll react to it. But Toronto's a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Even if Durant doesn't play, I just feel like Steph Curry's not going down without a fight. That's the way I feel. That's the way I feel. And uh, if I'm wrong and Toronto wins and they win the Larry O'Brien trophy, there might be some people in Toronto who are disappointed and and are a little confused that they're not getting the Stanley Cup. (laughs) Uh, There's no Stanley Cup. Kawhi Leonard doesn't get to hoist the Stanley Cup. But Larry O'Brien trophy, it's a nice trophy. You know, in the NBA, though, we're so used to... They don't even, they give out the Larry O'Brien trophy first. They give out the NBA championship first. This is my beef with the NBA championship. I do this rant every year. I'm not going to spend too much time on it because I know people who listen to me regularly, they're like, you do this every year, you know, enough. But it's, it is true. When you, the, the celebrations in the NHL and the NBA are so different. Like the NBA, like in the NHL, they'll give out the MVP. They'll give out the cons mic. The person will come up, will get that big trophy that seem, that looks like it's heavier than the Stanley Cup, and they'll just they'll pass it off to someone. And they'll be like, yeah, great, awesome, thanks. Give me the Stanley Cup, right? They come out, Gary Bettman, you know, fans are booing Bettman, but then you see that cup, everybody's just giddy. They want to get their hands on that. They want to kiss that thing. The NBA does it the opposite way. They'll come out, they'll give out the NBA championship, the Larry O'Brien trophy, Players will take it, and they'll go, then they'll go, and now, (laughs) the NBA Finals MVP, and, like, it's like, that's the one they celebrate. That's the one they'll celebrate. It's so weird to me, and maybe they'll change it this year, and maybe they'll listen to my rant in the past and be like, that's not the way you should do it. Give out the MVP first, and then say, and now, your world champion, Toronto Raptors, or your world champion, Warriors. Like, make it about the Larry O'Brien Trophy. Don't make it about the MVP. Uh, but that's they handle it two different ways, the two sports. And, and I think the NBA gets that wrong. The NBA gets a lot of stuff right. But I think they get their championship celebration wrong. I think they do it ass backwards, and I just don't understand it. I don't. I really don't. But something's telling me Golden State's going to stay alive. They're going to win in Toronto tonight. I'm taking Golden State in Game 5, with or without Durant. Durant, questionable. He returned to practice. Will he play? It might be a game-time decision. Maybe he's ruled out by the time you listen to this. It's Monday morning. Right now he's questionable. But even if he doesn't play, I still think Steph Curry has some magic up his sleeve. And I think he forces a Game 6 back in Golden State. I do. I do. It's the take-one-at-a-time mentality. I think Golden State knows that. And I think they'll utilize it. And I think they'll force a game six back in Golden State. Now, outside of the NBA Finals, I told you there's some NBA news that is Celtics-related. There's a couple things here. I mean, where do you want to begin? I guess we always have to begin with Kyrie Irving. Because really, Kyrie Irving is kind of holding the Celtics hostage, isn't he? In a way. And maybe that's a harsh way to put it. Because at the end of the day, it's Kyrie Irving's right. He can opt out. We're expecting him to opt out of the final year of his deal, become a free agent. And a lot of people, like myself, 
feel like he is as good as gone. He has made up his mind. He's not coming back to the Celtics. And we've heard multiple reports as to where he could be interested in. We've heard about the New York Knicks for a long time. I've been telling you about the Lakers. Then you hear other people, other NBA insiders telling you the Lakers are a possibility. He's interested in them. But the latest team, which isn't really a new rumor, but I think the seriousness of this rumor and of this team is new. The, like, the seriousness in which we're taking this team, I guess, is new. It's the Brooklyn Nets. And the, that's the latest report that Kyrie is very interested in going to the Nets to the point where he has reached out to Kevin Durant and has tried to convince Durant to also come to the Nets, which I don't understand. Kyrie, he grew up a New Jersey Nets fan, right? And it's the only way to really make even a little sense of this. He grew up a New Jersey Nets fan. Now they're the Brooklyn Nets, but still, I mean, I don't know. It doesn't feel like the same organization that he was rooting for as a kid. I don't, I don't, I still don't believe it. I guess we have to take it more seriously the more it's reported. I still don't think he ends up in Brooklyn. I think it's the Knicks or the Lakers. I do. I think it's one of those two teams. Um, and so that, I mean, that we always have to start with Kyrie. But if you're the Celtics and you do feel like he's gone, well, what's the next report that you expect to hear? And maybe this next report is an indication that the Celtics also, like me, they also believe he's gone. Kyrie's gone. Well, the other bit of news with the Celtics is that they are reportedly talking with Terry Rozier about a new contract. They're talking to Rozier about a new contract. And based on everything that Rozier has said in his post-game interviews from that, that game five in Milwaukee, sitting in his locker, and, and that, that stupid segment that he did on ESPN that he should have never done. But, I, you know, he went about it the wrong way, Rosier. But I think his message was clear. And I think we need to listen to that message, which was this team had issues internally. Again, something we kind of already knew. He just sort of confirmed those once the season was ended. Confirmed them in a stupid fashion, but he confirmed them nonetheless. But Rozier, if you're going to listen to him say those things, how, you know, if it's the same team coming back, he's not coming back. If you hear him say that stuff, and then you try to sign him to a new contract, what does that tell you? It tells you that somebody is not coming back. And who is the somebody that you would think Rozier didn't want to play with? It's it's Kyrie Irving. So if they're talking to Rosia that tells me that they believe Irving's gone, and the other report that gives us an indication that the Celtics believe Irving is gone is that they are reportedly turning their attention to building around Tatum and Brown. And if you're building around Tatum and Brown, that means you're not building around Kyrie, right? It's not like Kyrie's some 34, 35-year-old vet. I mean, he's 26, 27 years old. And, and if you still have Kyrie, you're building around Kyrie. Uh, Kyrie's gone. All right? I think these reports are, are showing us that the Celtics believe he is too. Another report, which I like this report, but I kind of don't understand it from the other team's perspective, is that the Celtics are reportedly talking to the Houston Rockets about trading for 25-year-old center Clint Capella. Clint Capella averaged close to 17 points a game and 13 rebounds a game last year, uh, technically like 16.6 and 12.7. 
Uh, he just signed a five-year, $90 million deal, which is what, $18 million average annual? And he, he just played the first season on that deal. So what's he got, four years left? Uh, four years, 72? Is that basically what it is? First of all, the Celtics, I mean, to trade for Clint Capella, which I'm all in on, by the way. I'm all in on that. How do you make that happen? How do how, like how would you work that? You got to make the money work. You got to make the money work. I mean, I guess you have to do a sign and trade with Al Horford, right? Al Horford can opt out of his deal if he wants. I don't know that he's gonna. I mean, if you like, like that would be the only way, isn't it? Unless you're like giving up Haywood. No, that doesn't. You can't do it. Haywood. He makes too much money, right? You got to make the salary work. It would have to be some type of sign and trade with Horford, wouldn't it? I, I honestly don't know how this would work. But they're trying to make it happen. But where I'm most confused about it is from a Houston Rockets perspective. Like, why, why would you want to trade a 25-year-old center who's averaging close to 17 and 13, you know, 1.5 blocks a game? You just signed him to a five-year deal. This is the this is the guy, the twenty five year old big man you want to get rid of. That's the guy you want to get rid of. Um, I don't know. I, I I and if you want to get rid of him, that you just you want to bring in Al Horford. Wouldn't make sense to me from a Houston perspective. I mean, I hope it's true. I hope I hope Houston just wants to make deals that don't make sense to them. But I'm all, I'm all in on that. I'll do that. I'll do that deal. I'll take Clint Capella. Uh, obviously. I'd be willing to do the sign and trade with for Horford. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not trading. I'm not trading Tatum or Brown. No, I'm not trading Smart. Like I'm not trading any of those kids. So, what other way could you make it work? It, you know, Haywood makes too much. That the salary's not going to work unless you're taking something else from Houston, right? Unless you're taking something else from Houston. Maybe you can make that work. But I would think maybe just to Horford sign and trade and get creative and, and, and talking with him. And and maybe if you Horford, you'd agree to do something like that because you, you want to, you know, you see what they have with James Harden. Um, you know, you like the fact that they were, that they're getting close to getting over that hump. And maybe that's, maybe you see now with Kyrie leaving with your own team, you're like, eh, how close are we going to be? Which team would I be closer to a championship with? Houston or the Celtics? or Houston or this Celtics team? And may, so maybe you can get Horford. Maybe you can convince Horford that you got a better chance with Houston. I don't know that you do, by the way. I'm not saying you do, but maybe you can convince Horford to believe that. <laughs> I'll take Clint Capella for Horford, but I, I, you'd have to... Again, I don't even know if, if we have that right with the money. I don't... I don't know. But that's reportedly what the Celtics are looking into. So, uh... It should be an interesting offseason in the NBA, that's for sure. And once the NBA finals are done, you know, we're gonna be we're gonna be talking about where's Kawhi Leonard going. Is he gonna re-sign with Toronto? There's been reports that he bought property in Toronto. They asked him about that, and he said not yet. What does that mean? I don't know. It means not yet. <laughs> um how much do you want to read into that? You can't read into anything Kawhi Leonard says or does, because he is a strange person. He really is. He is a weird dude, Kawhi Leonard. I I like him, but he's a weird dude. He's a strange cat, isn't he? <laughs> uh, so who knows? I don't know how much time I want to spend trying to question 
where Kawhi Leonard's gone. But it should be an interesting NBA offseason. You know I'll be reacting accordingly to whatever happens, and, and I'll have some thoughts on what the Celtics do or don't do as we move forward. Um, but I'll keep an eye on the NBA Finals. I'll be watching this game five tonight in Toronto. I'm picking Golden State to win this game. Whatever happens, I will react on Thursday. Also, over this past weekend, you know I'm a Gennady Golovkin fan. I told you there was not going to be an upset in the boxing world for the second straight weekend. Last weekend, we saw Andy Ruiz Jr. upset Anthony Joshua in the heavyweight division. Some people thought, wow, this opens the door for upsets. You get to the middleweight division. You got Triple G going up against the undefeated Steve Rolls. Steve Rolls, a heavy underdog in this one. Golovkin, a heavy favorite, as he should have been. And I told you there'd be no upset, and there was no upset. Triple G knocks out Steve Rolls in the fourth round with a vicious left hook. What was up with Steve Rolls' gloves, by the way? Is anybody talking about this? I tweeted about it a couple times. Like, those are the biggest gloves I have ever seen in my life, to the point where he would cover up his face, and there was, like, no way for Golovkin to even come close to hitting him. I think those gloves are the reason why Steve Rolls survived maybe as long as he did in this match. It made it awfully tough for Golovkin to even, to you know, put a finger on him the size of those big gloves he was wearing. I don't know. Nobody's talking about that. I don't understand. I Obviously, in negotiations for the fights, you have certain things with the gloves. You know, you have conversations about uh, the size of the gloves. But, I mean, I've never seen two guys in the ring at the same time with such different-sized gloves. I've never seen, and Golovkin's were like the smallest gloves I've ever seen. To the point where he's hitting you with basically his bare knuckle. He was wearing tiny gloves. He, you know, those, the middleweights always kind of go with the smaller gloves anyways, if it seems like. But, man, I don't, Steve Rolls. Like, those things, I, I was joking on Twitter. They looked like the My Pillows. You know, the commercial for My Pillow? I, which I don't know, I don't even know if those things work. The My Pillows. I'd like to test it out. If they want to advertise in the show, maybe they could send me one. Could help with my my sleep problem. But um, <laughs> even with the my pillow, I guess Steve Rolls was snoozing pretty good because Golovkin hit him with a left hook in that fourth round that put him down to the mat, put him to sleep. He could knock it up. Oh, he was trying to get up, and he was in la la land. And uh, Golovkin wins as he should have afterwards. Triple G said he wants Canelo. That's the fight he wants. It's the fight everybody wants. He wants the trilogy. He did say, though, he does not want it in Vegas. Now, it was kind of a joke, but was it? He doesn't want that fight in Vegas again because he thinks he got screwed. I told you I think Triple G got screwed against Canelo. They want it. They want to fight Canelo. They don't want it in Vegas. I don't blame them. And it kind of, you know, I thought... That's what we'd be getting. Well, now it kind of feels like we're not. Oscar De La Hoya tweeted after Triple G beat Steve Rolls. De La Hoya tweeted that Triple G should win a... He said Triple G should win a belt first. And then they'll talk about a trilogy and a third fight. And so what is he talking about when he says win a belt? Because you would think, well, Canelo's got all the belts. Well, no, he doesn't have all the belts in the middleweight division. Demetrius Andrade has the WBO middleweight title. 
and and he was actually part of the DAZN broadcast. And he was from a remote location, and they did a split-screen interview with him after this fight. And basically, he said, you know, he wants the big fight. He wants to fight with Canelo, or he wants to fight with Triple G. And I think where De La Hoya is going with that tweet is basically saying, when he says, get a belt, well, what's the only other belt he could get? He's not saying, hey, go to UFC and get a belt. He's not saying, hey, go to, go to SummerSlam, WWE SummerSlam, and get the WWE Championship. He's talking about a middleweight belt, and the only other middleweight belt there is is being held by Demetrius Andrade. And I think that's the fight we're going to see. You know, it's not the fight I want to see. I'll watch. Golovkin should beat him and probably will beat him. But it's just another example of Canelo and De La Hoya and Golden Boy slow playing a fight with Golovkin. They slow played the first fight. They were ducking Golovkin for years. They waited till he got older. And if you remember the fight before Golovkin, but right before they signed the deal for the Golovkin fight, Golovkin, ah, I forget who he fought, but somebody gave him a battle. Who was it? Was it Jacobs? Gave Golovkin a battle. Took him deep. And I think that's when Canelo's camp said, all right, He's showing some signs of age. Let's do the fight now. And that's when it happened. That's when it happened. And they do now they're doing it again. They're doing it again. They're going to slow it. They want Triple G to be old. They want him to get as old as possible so they can avoid this trilogy no more. And they, you know, it, there's a middle ground. They're like, they want the, they're going to want the trilogy because the money's too good to turn down. You can't wait too long because then you might not get as money as maybe you should. Right? You know, the risk with having Golovkin fight Demetrius Andrade is that, is that maybe Golovkin gets caught. Maybe he gets caught with one, and we, Golovkin could take a punch. We know that. He could take a punch with the best of them. But you never know what can happen. And, and maybe they ruin their opportunity at the trilogy because maybe the trilogy won't mean as much. You get back to the, the people who were upset with Andy Ruiz beating Anthony Joshua last weekend the weekend before, and, and, and saying, well, that ruins the mystique of a Deontay Wilder-Anthony Joshua unification match with, b- between two undefeated heavyweights. And it doesn't, it doesn't. I mean, if Joshua comes back and beats Ruiz in the rematch, in which they will have a rematch, then the storyline is the storyline is still impressive, where it's like Anthony Joshua, you know, everybody, lo- look, put it this way, everybody loves a good comeback story, and Joshua would be a good comeback story. And and you lead to a while to fight, and I think there'd be just as much money and just as much attention. If Golovkin loses to Demetrius Andrade, it's not going to be the same because it's not going to be the first time he would fight Canelo afterwards, and it wouldn't be the second time. It'd be the third time. I want the trilogy right now. But I, it doesn't sound like, according to De La Hoya, we're going to get it. It, do, it doesn't sound like we're going to get it. It doesn't. Everything that De La Hoya tweeted, it's like they want him, they want Golovkin to get that WBO championship because, you know, the reward, going back and forth with the risk and the reward, the risk obviously is that Golovkin gets caught with one and it's not as big a fight. Because really, Canelo wants all the belts. But the big money would be Canelo beating Golovkin, who has that other belt. That's where the biggest money is. And. Maybe that's not, maybe it's not, 
as much. You know, it is. They're still slow playing Golovkin for the reasons that I mentioned. Like they want him to get older and get older and look get slower. That's what they want. There's no question. I don't think you can deny that. But there's a little maybe extra too, where it's like they want Golovkin to have that WBO championship, and it's a bigger fight if if they're unifying it with him than if they're unifying it with Demetrius Andrade. And so that's the reward. I think Golovkin would would win that fight against Andrade, and I think we'd have a pretty big fight probably next Cinco de Mayo. I don't want to see it in Vegas. I'd like to see it at Madison Square Garden. I would. I'd like to see that at Madison Square Garden. But we'll see what happens. Um, but Triple G did what he had to do, did what he should have done, knocks out Steve Rolls, and he wants the Canelo fight. It doesn't sound like Canelo wants it just yet, the trilogy. But I, I do think we'll get it at some point. We will. We will. And if we ever get news on it, I will react to it on this show. Get this show whenever you want at Podcast One. Also on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere podcasts are available. Follow me on social media at Danny Picard. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Danny Picard. I know we tested out a live broadcast last week, which I kept up there for you if you want to check it out. It's nothing crazy, but check it out nonetheless. It's... It's a live broadcast. We're going to be taking some calls once a week on a live broadcast. If I can get a couple other pieces of equipment to work properly for me. Um, I got a call screener. At least talking to a couple people about being a call screener for this show. And, um, you know, it's just a little extra once a week in the middle of the week. Taking some live calls. If we get any. I don't know if we'll even get any. But we'll... we'll We'll throw it out there for some people, right? Should be interesting. We'll we'll try to mix it up, give you something new, keep keep it something a little fresh. But I'll be back on Thursday right here on demand on the Danny Picard Show on Podcast One, and I'll be reacting to what happens in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final. Will the Bruins be hoisting La Coupe at the Garden? Certainly hope so. Certainly hope so. That's what I would put my money on. I put my money on Tuca over Bennington any day of the week at this point based on what we've seen. But whatever we do see, I'll be here Thursday to react to it. So hit subscribe on this show right now. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy Game 7. And I'll talk to you Thursday.